1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. The Bible says, 1 Peter 3, 15, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. As we consider again this month, the verse that instructs us to always be ready to give good Bible answers when people ask us why do we believe the things that we believe and why do we do the things that we do this morning I would like to know what are some of the key things that you need in order to go to heaven what are some of the key things that you need in order to go to heaven someone says well the first key thing I need in order to go to heaven is is I need God I need God. I need the love of God. I need the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the mercy of God and and the word of God. I need Jesus. I need the blood of Jesus. I need to do the same thing to be right with Jesus that those people in Acts chapter 2 did that we studied last Sunday. Like those people in Acts chapter 2, I also need to believe in Jesus Christ. I need to believe that he's the Lord and the Son of God and that he died on the cross for my sins and that he was raised from the dead. I also need to repent of my sins. I also need to be baptized for the remission of my sins. I also need to be added to his church, the universal body of Christ. Someone says, if I'm going to be right with God, then I, I need to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. But even after I obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, I also need to strive to be faithful to, be faithful to God. I also need to strive to live by God's moral code. I need to make sure that I walk with God. I need to make sure that I'm in fellowship with God. I need to make sure that I worship God and that I grow in my knowledge and faith in God's word. I also need to love other people. I also need to make sure that I love my neighbor as myself and that I even love my enemy. Someone says all of these things are key things that I have to do in order to go to heaven. And while I certainly agree with with that list, brothers and sisters, let me now ask you about something that we left off that list, and that that is the local church. Let me now ask you about being part of a local church and being an active servant in that church. I mean, do you also think that that is important? Do you also think that that is necessary in order for a person to go to heaven? I ask you that question because for many people, even for many people who are members of the universal church of Christ, the answer to that question is, is no. No, the local church is not important. No, the local church is not necessary. No, I don't have to be a productive member in a local church in order to be pleasing to God. God's okay with me just being solo and doing my own thing. I actually remember talking with a 
a sister, an older sister in the church who told me she believed that. She told me that this concept of being part of a local church and placing membership with a local church, that, that's ridiculous. That's not found in the Bible. That's not important. That's something that we made up. That's what she said. That's how she said she felt about the matter. And she's certainly not the only person who feels that way. In a religious survey, in a religious survey that was conducted just a few years ago, only 35% of people said that they believed that attending religious services and being part of a church was essential to being a Christian. Only 35%. Only 35% of people said they believed that being part of something like we're part of here at Monte Vista, that was essential to being a Christian. Now, I'm going to be blunt with you this morning when I say that that's just ridiculous. That is outrageous. That is something that, that really blows my mind, but I'm willing to guess that that number has even gotten worse over the last 18 months. What do you think? I'm willing to guess that with so many people getting used to this online worship that you can do in your pajamas, right now even fewer than 35% of people believe that being committed to a group or being a member of a local church is essential to being a Christian. The question is, is that right? Is that Correct is that kind of thinking found in the book of God, which is called the Bible. I want to suggest to you this morning that that kind of thinking is not found in the book of God, which is the Bible. I want to suggest that contrary to what the majority of religious folks believe today in the book of God, which is the Bible, local church membership is important. Local church membership is vital. Local church membership is critical. In fact, it is important and vital and critical to at least two specific people. First, the local church. The local church is important to God. It is important to God. It is important to God because guess what? He's the one who created it. He's the one who created the universal church that we read about and studied last Sunday. And he's also the one who created the concept of local congregations. In fact, much of the New Testament is actually written to local congregations. Go back to our scripture reading this morning, please. I hope you got your Bible with you because we're going to have a lot of Bible in this lesson. We go back to Philippians 1 and verse 1. We go back to Philippians 1 and verse 1, and Paul says, he begins this letter by saying, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons. Notice how as Paul begins this letter to the Philippians, he begins by telling us that he's writing to a church. He's writing to a local church. He's writing to a group of saints or a group of Christians who lived in Philippi. In the first verse of this book, we learn 
that Paul was writing this letter to a local church in Philippi. And this is not the only letter in the New Testament where Paul writes to a local church. I'm also reminded of the letters of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And the letter to the Ephesians and the letter to the Colossians and the Galatians and 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and even the wonderful book of Romans. All of those books were written by the Apostle Paul in the first century to local congregations. In fact, in much of the book of Acts, we can, e we can even read about Paul planting many of these local congregations. In Acts, we can read about him traveling throughout the ancient world and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and establishing these, these local congregations. He clearly was someone who understood the importance that local congregations have in the plan of God. In fact, not only did, only did he establish and plant local congregations, but go in your Bible to Acts chapter 9, please. In Acts chapter 9, after telling us about the conversion of Paul or Saul of Tarsus, in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 18, in verse number 26, in verse 26, the Bible says when he, talking about Paul or Saul of Tarsus, when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate, some of your translations say join, I like that. He was trying to associate or join with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. Notice how after Paul was added to the Lord's church by being baptized for the remission of his sins, according to verse 18. In verse number 26 of this chapter, we find Paul joining himself to a, to a local church. We find Paul making a conscious decision to join himself to a local group of believers in Jerusalem. That means that unlike so many Christians today, Paul didn't, he, he didn't want to be a floating Christian. He didn't want to be a Christian that was in limbo. He didn't want to be a Christian who was part of the universal church, but he wasn't part of a local church. No, sir, no, ma'am. Paul wanted to be part of a local church. <coughs> but Paul wanted to place membership at a local church, Paul wanted to identify with a group of believers, even though at first they didn't eagerly want to accept him into their fellowship because of his background as a persecutor in the church. Paul clearly understood the importance of the local church and the plan of God. But here's a question we need to think about. The question is, why? Why is the local church so important to God? Why in the New Testament do we read about local churches over and over again? Why did people like Paul devote much of their ministry to establishing local churches throughout the ancient world? Well, my dear friends, I believe that if we're going to get anywhere when talking with people about the importance of the local church, then we got to first make sure that they understand what the local church is. We got to make first make sure that they understand why God created the local church in the first place. And so going back to Philippians 1 and verse 1. When we go back to that chapter, we see that when it comes to a local church, a local church is simply a plurality or group or group of Christians. It is simply a plurality 
or group of saints who live in close proximity to one another. In our case, we are a group of saints or disciples who live here in the valley and we have decided, we've decided to be one. We've decided to be one as a body of believers in this part of the country. We've decided to accept common oversight over under a group of elders that we have appointed. And we've decided to pull our money together, to pull our resources together to support the preaching of the gospel and to help needy saints. And we've also decided to pull our talents together. We've also decided to pull our to pull our spiritual gifts together to glorify God and and do his work. That's essentially what a local church is. That is essentially what what a local church is all about. That is why the local church is so important. You see, a local church is about a relationship. It's about fellowship. It is about a plurality of saints who have decided to act as one under common oversight and with a common treasury. It is a group of Christians who regularly worship together and they do God's work together. That is how the New Testament describes the local church. And that is why the local church is such a vital part of God's plan. You see, through the local church, God gets his work done. Through the local church, God gets his work of evangelism done. Go in your Bible back to Philippians, please, and look at Philippians, the fourth chapter. This time we go to Philippians, the fourth chapter, and we listen to what Paul says in Philippians, the fourth chapter, and in verse number 15, as Paul talks to the church in Philippi, in Philippians 4, in verse 15, he says, You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I had left Macedonia, no church shared with me the matter of giving giving and receiving, but you alone. What's Paul saying there? Well, Paul was saying that there was a time when this church in Philippi was, was supporting him financially. They were sending him money from their treasury so he could devote himself to preaching the gospel. That is one of the ways in which this church was involved in evangelism. They used their funds to support a gospel preacher, just like we do here in this place. But I want you to put that with what Paul also says to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and in verse number 6, in verse number 6, Paul says to this church, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And we can actually read about that in Acts chapter 17. In verse number 7, he says, So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia for the word of the Lord. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth. So we have no need to say anything. What is Paul saying there about this church? Well, there Paul was telling us that this church in Thessalonica, this was a working church. This was a busy church. This was a church that was busy doing the work of evangelism. 
They were busy fulfilling the Great Commission. They were busy sounding forth or echoing the word of God throughout the world. They understood that the primary work of the church is the work of evangelism. It's the work of spreading the gospel. This is why the local church is so important to God. Through the local church, God accomplishes the work of evangelism, but not only does he accomplish the work of evangelism, a second work God accomplishes through the local church is the work of accountability. Accountability in Galatians chapter 6. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. In Galatians 6 and verse 1, Paul says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Now, I want you to put that. You put that with what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus talks about this same principle in Matthew, the 18th chapter in verse number 15. In Matthew 18, beginning with verse 15, we find what may be the most neglected instructions of Jesus that are found in all the Bible. In Matthew 18, and verse 15, he says, if your brother sins... Go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen even to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and as a tax collector, notice the principle that Jesus is establishing in those verses. Notice how in those verses, Jesus says that instead of Christianity being something that we do solo and all by ourselves. Instead of being the kind of Christians who float from this congregation to that congregation, instead of being Christians in limbo, instead of walking around with a mindset that says, I don't want other people in my business. I don't want people checking on me and calling me whenever I start doing things like neglecting worship services. Instead of having a mindset like that, Jesus says he wants Christians to hold one another accountable. Jesus says that he wants Christians to be in each other's business, to be heavily involved in each other's lives, to be checking on each other and helping each other and even confronting one another in love when they notice each other in sin. That's what Jesus says he wants his people to be doing. And the local church, the local church helps accomplish that. The local church helps accomplish God's work of accountability. In fact, maybe a better way we could sum all that up is by saying that through the local church, God gives Christians a tool to help each other go to heaven. To help each other go to heaven. That's what we learn in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. When we find passages like we ought to restore one another in a spirit of gentleness and we ought to bear each other's burdens. That's all about helping each other go to heaven. That's what Paul means in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and in verse number 14, Paul says, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient, be patient with everyone. That's all about helping each other go to heaven. And then go to familiar territory in Hebrews. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and notice what the Hebrew writer says there in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, beginning with verse number 24. Hebrews 10 and verse 24, the Bible says, 
It says, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Notice how God, God has a purpose for the local church. God has a very important purpose for the local church. The local church is designed to help us grow spiritually. The local church is designed to encourage us and be an avenue that we can use to encourage other people. It is designed to motivate us to press on, hang in there in the cause of Christ. It is designed to be something that helps us build solid relationships. That's what the local church is designed to do. And isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just a powerful display of the wisdom and brilliance of God? I mean, think about it. Think about it with me. God in his infinite wisdom created something where a group of Christians who live near each other can work together and worship together and help each other go to heaven. That is just brilliant. That is a powerful display of the wisdom and the love of God. In fact, it is such a powerful display of the wisdom and love of God that it disturbs me when I hear Christians, especially during this time when so many have stayed away from assemblies like this for several months. It disturbs me when I hear them say things like, well, you know what? I'm okay. I'm doing just fine. In fact, I am as strong spiritually now worshiping at home as I've ever been. I always get so disturbed and so frustrated when I hear Christians say that kind of stuff because I know that that is a flat out lie. That is not true. That cannot be true because it contradicts the Bible. It contradicts the sacred scriptures. It contradicts God. It contradicts the wisdom of God. I mean, think about it. If we can really grow and become more like Jesus Christ by isolating ourselves from each, from each other and worshiping God at home in our pajamas, then why in the world did God even create the entity of the local church in the first place? Why, why in the world did the Apostle Paul devote much of his life to traveling around the world and risking his life establishing local churches? Why in the world did Jesus say what he said in Matthew chapter 18? Why in the world do we find all of these one another passages throughout the New Testament? I mean, are we to believe that we know more about Christianity and spiritual growth and becoming more like Jesus and what we need to go to heaven over God? Of course not. Of course not. Of course the local church is important. Of course it is important and vital because it was created by God. And it's found throughout the scriptures, but not only is the local church important to God. I got to transition now and just make the point that the local church is also important to you. It's important to you. It's important to us. God says we all need what the local church provides. We all need to be part of a faithful local church because 
we need the avenue that it provides for service. Well, you go in your Bible, please, the Romans, the 12th chapter. I'm going to Romans, the 12th chapter, and I'm going to start reading with verse number four. And listen to what Paul says in Romans 12 and verse number four. He's writing to a local church. Remember that. And he says, for just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service and his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I want you to notice how out of all, out of all the spiritual gifts that Paul mentions there in those verses, only one of them is miraculous in nature. Only one is supernatural in nature, and that's the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is the only miraculous gift mentioned in that text. The rest of those gifts are all natural skills and abilities that Christians can develop even today. In fact, in this room right now, we have disciples here who have those natural talents and abilities. In this room right now, we have Christians here who have the gift of teaching. And they have the gift of exhortation. And they have the gift of giving and leading and showing mercy and cheerfulness. These are all gifts that Christians here have today. And God expects us to use those gifts to build up brothers and sisters in Christ. He expects us to use those gifts to serve him and to serve one another. You see, in verses like this, we learn that contrary to how we might think at times, being part of a local church involves more than just showing up to a few worship services during the week. It involves more than just being able to say that we have perfect church attendance during the month or perfect church attendance during the year while doing our best to faithfully attend worship services is certainly important to God. And I don't want to de-emphasize that. At the same time, I also want us to understand that from what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in these verses, in addition to doing our best to faithfully attend the worship services, being part of a local church also involves taking part in the work. Taking part in the work. It involves doing something beyond this time we are together. It involves looking for ways to serve and help other people go to heaven. It involves being unselfish. It involves divorcing ourselves from a mentality that says, well, you know what? Christianity is all about me. Christianity is all about people doing for me and serving me and making me happy in my life. No, according to the Apostle Paul, Christianity is all about service. It's all about serving God and serving Jesus and serving brothers and sisters in Christ. The local church gives us an avenue to use our spiritual talents and abilities to serve God and his people. But not only does the local church give us the avenue for service. A second thing it gives us is it also gives us an avenue for accountability. An avenue for accountability. That's right, my friend. You need 
you need to be held accountable. You need to be held accountable to faithful and righteous living. And I totally understand. I understand at this point right here is the main one that a lot of Christians have a problem with. I get it. I firmly believe that one of the main reasons why so many Christians refuse to join themselves to a local church is because they don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to be held accountable to the commitments that are involved with being part of a group. So many Christians, they don't want to be part of a local church because they don't want anybody holding them accountable for their actions. They want to just float from here to there and to there. And I'm so thankful that every Christian doesn't have that mindset because if every Christian had that same mentality, guess what? You wouldn't have any local churches. You wouldn't have any local churches in Phoenix, Arizona or any part of, of this world. You see, you can't have a local church if a group of Christians are not willing to identify with one another. You can't have a local church if a group of Christians are not willing to be committed to each other and accountable to each other. This is something that the Apostle Paul wanted the church in Corinth to really understand. I'm going to my Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at 1 Corinthians 5. Remember this brother in the church in Corinth? who was in adultery with his father's wife. He was guilty of committing immorality with his probably stepmother. And the church wasn't doing anything about that. They were sitting there letting that brother be involved in that, in that gross immorality. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 2, Paul said to these, to these brethren, you have become arrogant. You become arrogant. And have not mourned instead so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. The midst there is talking about the local church, the fellowship of the local church. Notice how Paul is making it very clear there that being part of a local church doesn't just mean we got our names on a church roll sheet. It doesn't just mean that we have access to the church website or the church Facebook page. It doesn't just mean that we're assigned to a, a, a church work group. While all those things are fine and good and right and appropriate and we need to do them, in addition to doing that kind of stuff, Paul says that being part of a local church requires real accountability. It requires real commitment. It requires that we be ready for people to get, in, to get in our business and get in our face and help us whenever we start getting off the right spiritual path. That's what a local church provides. A local church provides an avenue for us to be held accountable to faithful and righteous living, and we need that. We need to be held accountable. We need that kind of involvement from other Christians. That only motivates us to serve the Lord better. In fact, maybe we can add to this point by saying that you need the local church, and I need the local church, because we all, we all need to be shepherded. You need to be shepherded. I need to be shepherded. We all need to be shepherded by qualified spiritual leadership. Qualified spiritual leadership. Now, this qualified spiritual, spiritual leadership goes by many different terms in the Bible. Sometimes this qualified spiritual leadership are called, is called bishops. 
bishops or overseers or spiritual managers or spiritual superintendents. That's what Paul is driving at in Philippians 1 and verse 1. Sometimes church leaders are called bishops. They're called overseers, spiritual managers, and superintendents, and sometimes they're called presbytery. Or elders, the idea of being presbytery or elders means that these men who are in this position are men of age. They are older and wiser and more seasoned both in life and in the faith. In fact, the term elder that the Bible uses is the term we use more commonly as members of the Church of Christ today. We use the term elder more than anything else. And maybe the reason why we do that is because we want to stay far away from the terms presbytery and bishop because the denominations have kind of hijacked those words and abused them. And so we're more comfortable using the term elder. But the term elder, while it's biblical, is not the most common term in the Bible used to describe leaders in the local church. The most common term in the New Testament used to describe leaders in the local church is the term shepherd. Shepherd. Acts 20 and verse number 28. Paul said to the leaders in the Ephesian church, before he sailed away in Acts 20, verse 28, he said, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. Notice how God refers to his people as a flock, as a flock of sheep among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's that term to what? To shepherd. To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. God's leaders there are called shepherds. Now go to 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter, who knew something about this because he was one himself, he says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 1, Therefore I exhort the elders, there's that word elders, presbytery, among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Verse 2, shepherd. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proven to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, that's Jesus, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Notice how throughout the New Testament, God refers to leaders in the local church as shepherds. They are called shepherds. Being shepherds means that these men are men who know how to nurture, lead, feed, and guide sheep. It means that these men are pastors. These men are deeply involved in the lives of the members of the local church. They are people who watch out for souls. That's what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 13 and verse 17, he says that the leaders in the local church watch out for souls. They watch out for the souls of God's people. But let me ask you this. If we don't join ourselves to a local church, how in the world are they going to be able to do that? How in the world are they going to be able to do that sufficiently? How in the world are they going to be able to shepherd us and lead us and feed us and build strong relationships with us if we don't identify as part of the group that they are, that they're shepherding. God says you need to be shepherded. 
you need to be shepherded by qualified men in the local church, and I would feel so guilty and so wrong if I didn't say before moving on that I'm so thankful that we have shepherds in this church. I'm so thankful for the six men who I know for a fact love every member of this congregation. They care deeply about every member of this congregation. They make decisions always in the best interest of this church. And if you think that every conservative church in this country has what we have here as far as that goes, then you need to get out and travel some more because you just don't know. It's not the case. We have shepherds, and I'm thankful for them, and we need what the church provides for shepherding. But let me give you one more thing and we're going to close. Let me close by saying that we need the local church because we need what it provides for relationships. You need relationships. You need the relationships that are found in the local church. You especially need those relationships in the world today, right? I mean, in a world that is so divided and chaotic and full of hate and sin and turmoil, you need to be strongly connected to people who follow Jesus Christ. You, you need to be strongly connected to people who love the Lord like you do. And they view sin like you do. And they love you. And they want to encourage you. And they, and they want to help you go to heaven. I'm going to one more place in the Bible. Acts chapter 2. Remember, we, we studied last Sunday about, about those 3,000 people who were baptized on the day of Pentecost. And, and they were added to the church. Well, in verse 42, we get a glimpse, a snapshot of some of the things they were doing in Jerusalem. In Acts 2 and verse 42, it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We go down to verse number 46, and it says, Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. What do we learn from those verses about Christianity? Well, we learn Christianity is about relationships. These Christians had relationships. They spent time together in the worship assembly, and they also spent time together outside of the worship assembly. Verse 46 says they took their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. See, a local church provides that. It provides an avenue to build relationships. And aren't you thankful for those relationships? If you're a member of this church, aren't you thankful for the relationships that we've developed, aren't you thankful to be part of a group like this who will come to your aid and comfort you whenever you lose a loved one? Or aren't you thankful to have people that you can always go to for prayer and they'll always help you bear whatever burdens you're bearing in your life? Aren't you thankful that you have some people here that you can go to for wise and godly and spiritual counsel whenever you start facing problems in your life? There's so much I could say about this, but the point is, the point is the local church is important. It's important to God, and it's important to you. It's important to me. It's a key tool that God has given us to help us get to heaven. The question is, though, are you on a path to heaven? 
The question is, are you part of the church? Are you part of the universal church? Have you done what is necessary to be part of that church? Have you believed in Jesus and repented of your sins and been, and been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? If you've done those things, if you've been added to the universal church, have you made the decision, the wise decision, to join yourself to a local church? If you have not, I want you to know that we have elders, we have shepherds, bishops here that will be standing right back there at the end here and they'll love to talk with you about that. They'll love to talk with you about our work and what we do and how you can take part in it and, and, and be in fellowship with us. You can talk with them about that after service, but for now we're going to offer an invitation to anyone here this morning who needs to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, 